Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, an amazing person and an amazing producer who I absolutely adore. He is responsible for one of reality TV's earliest hits. Perhaps you've heard of it. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. This is David Collins. He created the show back in 2003 with his partner, Michael Williams, at Scout Productions. It was a totally unique idea that turned Bravo, which was a network that no one had heard of at the time, into a household name. It was such a revolutionary show that 15 years later, Netflix had the brilliant idea not just to reboot it, but to give it a fresh new twist that is really right for our times. And we'll hear all about that. David and I talk about the inspiration for Queer Eye and the rest of his really interesting, sometimes very surprising career. I guarantee you by the end, you'll fall in love with him just like everybody else does. Hello. Hi. This is very exciting. It is. I feel like we've been talking about this for a year. We have. And I I've think. just been waiting for the moment. <laughs> it's the moment. And now it's here. It's here. here I we mean, go. this is like a 15 year journey for you, not for me, but like what an amazing time to be alive. Full circle. <laughs> it really is. Big full circle moment. Oh my God. All right. So before we get all excited about Queer Eye, which is. We're all just beside ourselves. <laughs> and I just saw the most exciting clip that we're going to talk about yeah. because we can't really watch it yet. Because um, it's always great to talk about things you've seen on audio, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> really brings it home. Um, I always start by saying how I know my guests. So you and I met, I, I think like three, two or three years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's been that. Um, we were introduced by Matt Hanna, mm -hmm. a mutual friend of both of ours. And I feel an awesome like executive. Amazing executive. And he, he's the best. He is. So I feel like we sort of like fell in love. We did. Uh, love at first sight. Um, and we, where did we meet the first time? We talked on the phone. Yeah, and then we had lunch. And then we had lunch in Marina Del Rey yeah. at the Ritz. It was yeah. very Ritzy. It was fancy. It was very, very fancy. fancy. It was lovely. Uh -huh. And it was just great. So we've been in touch. And then I think that was before I moved. And when I moved, we've been in touch. And you kind talking of— Talking about projects. Yeah, and... we were talking about projects. And it kind of, like, was, you know, the beginnings of the— They might be rebooting Queer Eye. Exactly. And I was like, oh, my God. And then, you know, you hear that. And let's be honest, the nine times out of ten, it never materializes. Right. Things don't happen. Right. But this— Really freaking happened. Yeah. Amazing. So, yeah. all right, let's, I feel like everyone is going to want to know, well, we want to know, right, let's rewind. So, yeah. you're, so you're a good Midwestern boy. I am. Cincinnati, uh, Ohio, born and raised. The best. Yeah. People from the Midwest are just so nice. And the beginning of my career. So you, w what can you do in Cincinnati, <laughs> Ohio? <laughs> Tell us what career there was yeah. in Ohio. Well, actually, you know what? It was really cool. I think something that I talk about a lot because we have interns from there is oh. I went to OU, Ohio okay. University. Big school, right? Medium school. Oh, really? Medium school. It's not Ohio State. It's Ohio University okay. in Athens, which is oh. sits in the middle of the Appalachian Mountains. Okay. It's called Harvard on the Hawking. Right. Aren't they all? Well, it I is. I went to the it Harvard was, of Upstate No, here. Harvard on the Hawking meaning it was built by the same architects that built Harvard. Oh, okay, got and it. it. I thought it was the, the Harvard no, of Ohio. No, 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 no. Harvard on the Hawking. But they cool. at the time in the 80s, and it birthed a lot of kind of big uh, folks in the, in the 80s, had the largest— kind of grants and federal money for film and TV. Really? And I, I literally spent three years on top-of-the-line equipment in college, which never, never happened, so right? Cool. Learning cameras and, and, and video editing and, 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 and studio shoots, field shoots, the whole works. While in college. While in college. So I had a lot of on, hands-on right, experience. Right, you were like already working, basically. Already working. And, we, and then we had one of the largest public radio and television stations That's there. That's so cool. So all of the college students got to work in public radio and TV early on. So but I it had seemed a, like you wanted to do film, at least from your resume. It was like it did. We really did. film. We did. So that's where my humble beginnings start. I yeah. had one of those, uh, I use this in my, my long story short moment here, is uh, <laughs> I was 21 years old. I had literally just graduated from OU. Yeah. It was the fall of 1989. And, I, and someone said, you know, you should intern for the local film office. Yep. Ooh, wait, is we that should me? Turn that I, yeah. yeah, I thought I had me off. I didn't, though. There, there we, we go. go. We're off. Okay, so it was the uh, Local film office, 1989. And uh, my first day I show up, and I had one of those moments of perfect storm. Luck, time, experience all happened. Uh, the film commissioner comes running out. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. The, the driver didn't show up. 
what? Why? Why? The driver should get to the airport. Get to the Stop. airport now. And I'm like, okay. For what? In my 1977 Toyota that. Corolla that the floorboards had rotted out on oh, and that the water was pouring through to pick up Jodie Foster and Peggy Reisky. That's crazy. And, and that was for Little Man Tate. And that was for Little Man Tate. Which they were filming in your town. Which were filming for tax Cincinnati breaks. Like for, they, they, and they were, the, the look of the city, okay. the whole thing was part of it. So you didn't even know who you were picking up in no your idea. piece of crap car. And other than she, uh, the film officer said, listen, don't talk to them. Just put them in the car. <laughs> don't look Take them to the hotel, yeah. you know. And Were you starstruck completely? You know, it's interesting. I, I think I look back at it and I think about what happened from that moment forward. I think it's because I wasn't starstruck yeah, yeah. that it happened. Yeah, um, absolutely. She, I drove her to the hotel, and she turned to me in the car, and she's like, all right, so listen, <laughs> be here like at six, I don't know, nah, seven. Be here at seven tomorrow morning. And the story goes, and uh, it, I still to this day think it's one of my, one of those moments like, all right, the good mid- Midwestern boy. Yeah. I showed up in a three-piece suit with a briefcase. No, that is <laughs> so cute. At seven in the morning. Oh and my that's God. And that's exactly what they all laughed right, their right. butts You're... off at me. And, uh, but I became Jody's assistant. And like on the spot. On the spot. Amazing. She and, wasn't uh, freaked out by the car. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's what, you know, made her. And Peggy her, Reisky, right. who I don't is, know who that is. Oh, amazing producer. producer. Okay. She actually also directed and won the Oscar for Trevor, which also oh. became the Trevor Project. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. she's. Wow. Uh, uh, so you met her at the same time. Same time. Peggy and uh, Jody became my mentors. And wow, What a story. Uh, that, you're, that's yeah. like your Lana Turner moment. It is. Hands Literally, down. Hands but down. in Ohio. In Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> See, kids, you don't have to come to L.A. to make it. <laughs> it's just, true, actually. You and, have to get lucky. Yeah. And, and, and make the most of the opportunity. And that's what happened. I got to spend Amazing. the next five months. And she gave me the best piece of advice I ever got. Which? She said... Um, everyone's gonna. T- everyone's gonna say, "I want to be on set. I want to be on set. Please, I want to come be on set." She said, "No, sit at the desk and let the movie come across your desk." She said, "Watch the movie go across your desk. If you pay attention to what's going across your desk, I guarantee you, you'll 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 learn something." And along the way, I went from being what was basically a little PA, and she looked at me. She said, "You don't ever have to be a PA." And I said, I didn't really get that. I didn't yeah. understand what she meant by yeah, that. Yeah, I don't either. And what she meant was, bust your butt, work hard, stand out. And I did. And she said, you know what? Special projects. And my first title ever was not PA. Special projects coordinator, Little Man Tate. I never had a PA Holy credit. Shit. And I went from being special projects coordinator to my next film. I was a second, second AD to an assistant location manager, to a location manager, to a production manager, oh to a UP, to a DGA UPM, wow. to producing. So the point there also is that if you had had the PA title, you wouldn't have risen and gotten those opportunities. I, I think you get stuck sometimes exactly. as a PA. Right, yeah. five more PA jobs till you can finally move up. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, so what's the secret? You just you let everything come across your desk. Did you I follow did, the well, And I got to I got to watch I got to watch yeah. her direct. I got to watch Peggy uh, produce and Jody direct. And I handled you know the contracts, the paper, yeah. all of the details came across my desk. So I got to see the movie from a different place. You go to set as a PA, you're standing watching cones, right. telling people not and to getting walk, coffee. Tell, and getting coffee. This was a different experience. I stayed in the office and learned. The process of producing. What was it like to see Jody direct? Amazing, and you know it's, it's forty years. I mean, I'm fifty, so I was twenty one. So you know, yeah, thirty plus years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I still see her occasionally. And uh, was that her first? It was her directorial, directorial debut. Yeah. Directorial debut. What a great film, too. And, you know, I, I met my my ex-husband, my husband yeah. there on that movie. John Hutman, who was the production designer, one of my best friends. Uh, so it changed your life. It, it changed my And my two best girlfriends in the whole world. One was the coordinator and one oh was uh, the assistant. And I, they're two of my best girlfriends still to this day. I have so. chills. Yeah. So what was your ex? Um, he was with the L.A. side He was, he was the location manager. Okay. He came from Boston. And uh, hey. Peggy had hired him to come be the location manager, and that's actually where kind of Scout was born. Okay. Uh, there's a good transition, right? Yeah, yeah. So exactly. <laughs> so then Scout was based in Boston, uh-huh. right? All right. So how, so how that, that was, happened? Yeah. Well, Little Man Tate, I don't know. I, I wooed him or he wooed me <laughs> somehow or another, and I left, uh, I left Cincinnati and I moved to Boston. 
So and he and and he lived. He was from Boston. And then you said like we're going to do a film company together. Well, here's what happened. It, he was doing mm-hmm. big. He had started to really take on big movies, but he had had a really lucrative commercial. Location scouting business. Nice. So I took that over, and by the way, had no idea right. what the hey. hell I was doing. Yeah. I'm like, ah, fake it till you make it. I don't know. And I started scouting locations in. Yeah, uh, yeah. I literally go. just put that you together. Ding, 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 ding. And so yeah. we started this That's concept so of called Scout. And uh, I, I would take on the commercial jobs. He would go and do a movie, and somewhere along the line, I want to say it. It was probably during. Hoffa or Blown Away, we were doing big studio movies, yeah. and we started traveling a lot. And he would be off for three or four months, or I would be off three yeah. or four months. And somewhere along, we realized, wow, I really want to make our own movies. Right. I want to tell our stories. Because yeah. you realize you're doing these huge studio budgets, right. and, and right, right. you realize, like, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to go there. So we started, yeah, we, yeah. Were, we were lucky enough to be part of the early New York uh, indie, uh, you know, filmmaking scene. How? So it, it happened in a lot of different ways, but I think probably the early one was I, I met Brad Anderson. Okay. And Brad was the Sundance darling. Oh, okay. Who had, was the first one to ever break a million-dollar sale. Really? At Sundance. And, and what was the um, film? Uh, my mind just went blank. Yeah, uh, we'll look you, it up. As you said it, we'll look it up. Yeah. But um, he, uh, he sold that, and I was fortunate enough to produce his second film, uh, which was Session 9. Mm. And we did that with the old USA. Wow. Remember USA yes, Network? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so Michael— it was a TV movie. No, no, no. no. It was a big it was, theater movie. It, it, theater. it considers still to this day, by the way. If I've you look in— premi- Oh, you've never seen no. Session 9, one of the scariest movies. Uh, David like Caruso, uh, 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 Josh, uh, uh, really sexy Josh. Uh, one of the sexy Joshes. One of the sexy Joshes. Uh, from uh, he and Reese Witherspoon, Southern oh, movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, Josh. yeah. Josh. Uh, my, 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 Josh. Yeah. Uh, Josh. Um, I'm going to get it in a second. Uh, an amazing uh, British— uh, no, sorry, uh, Irish actor um, Peter Mullen. Okay, I don't know how that is. You'd recognize him okay. too. Amazing actor. Cool. But anyways, what it, an amazing experience. It's one, and we shot in an abandoned mental hospital oh, God. in Danvers, Massachusetts. That's the real a deal. <laughs> oh, it was scary, scary, scary. But that's, that's probably one of those like, most amazing movie experiences. But actually, prior to that, I produced Adam Bernstein's Six Ways to Sunday. Adam Bernstein, big TV director okay. here in LA cool. now. Big. You uh, produced that, and I raised a buttload of money with him. Wow. As, as like a twenty-five-year-old kid running around saying, "Hi, could I have a check for thirty thousand, fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars?" And we made that for. I mean, probably just a million. Um, if that, it was just under that. And Six Ways to Sunday was Norman Reedus, yeah, Debbie Holy Harry, shit. and uh, a, a little unknown uh, a guy there at the time. Um, uh, who's, I'm blowing my names here. Yeah, aren't I? it's a lot. My well, brain's my brain's on. Everyone go on IMDb. We'll yeah. get it. We'll get Six it. Six Ways to Sunday. Uh, anyways, so that's you were it. love. Were you loving the t- the film world, or we were? I, I think. Did the, you like the raising money part? Because that part sucks. It sucks. It does suck. <laughs> like it's hard. Part. You know, I don't. Right? I don't either. It's nicer to get paid. But again, you know, those like moments in your career where yeah. you you realize, hmm, Adam Bernstein still to this day, I I probably owe. And I should call him based on just saying this out loud now. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest gratitudes of my life. Um, he was a, a director who was so uh, so passionate and so visionary yeah. with what he wanted. He was really hard on me, really hard like on me. Like abusive? Uh, not abusive. But hard in like, yeah. dude, you said you were going to get the yeah, money. Yeah, get it. Making you dude, accountable. Dude, right? you said you were going to do this. Do it, and that. I, I realized you. it pushed me. Yeah. And it, and I think I, everyone needs that. You do. Yeah. You do. He held me accountable awesome. for being a producer instead of just letting me be like, hey, I'm producing a movie. <laughs> <Right>. You know? <laughs> Amazing. I had, I had to work. And so then I when did the Errol Morris film nah, come So that, that's what reality meets. Exactly. Here we go. Reality <laughs> meets reality. Metal meets the road or whatever it's mm. called. So, right. So that was an okay. IFC series. IFC. Well, actually, here's what happened with that. Okay. So... Um, Sarah Green, yeah. an amazing producer. Uh, she's Terrence Malick's producer now. Oh, wow. But look up Sarah Green for sure. One of the amazing indie film producers mm-hmm. of, of all time. Wow. 
um, who I had met through Peggy Reisky. There we go. All these connections. Yeah. Um, Sarah had, I guess, met with Errol or something. And she's like, I can't. I'm leaving to go do. Oh, she was going to go do a David Mamet uh, uh, movie. And she said, you, you guys should go meet with Errol. And, okay. And we're like, all right. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, he had been really well known for Thin Blue Line, right. Fast Sheep and Out of Control. And I remember Michael and I and our partner, we had another partner at the time named Dorothy Affiero. And Dot, Michael and I went and met Errol some one day. And I think for all of us, Dorothy, Michael, and I, we had come from scripted, yeah. right? We we knew here's a script, right. break the script down, create a budget, yeah. locations. Right. You, you go, scene, scene, here's, scene. here we go, yeah. we're going to go make this. Yeah. When you sat with Errol and you realized that there wasn't not even a script, there was just his head. Yeah. There right. was what was inside that man's brain. Amazing. And our job was to try to extrapolate keep, the info, keep pulling that info yeah. out of his brain. And and I think was we all was he collaborative. You know, it's okay. <laughs> as all geniuses, Most geniuses are, aren't, right? Yeah, was um, he a stable he, genius? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what? Ah, but a bum. I can't um, help it. Yeah. He, you know, he was, he is, he is truly a genius. Yeah, you know, obviously, right. he has Wormwood now on Netflix. Uh, I mean, which is phenomenal. But it's interesting, though, right? Because Wormwood is is this whole hybridy, like yeah. it's. it's I not think it's going to change the ball game. That's what I'm saying. It's so, a ball game changer. So at the time, he was probably more sort of traditional doc, right? A little bit, but, but he it, always had that well, kind of. You know, the the Interatron, mm, which is right. how he shot, shot his interviews. Right. Well, right, but his interviews were done with this very, what everyone thought was so complicated because he called it the Interatron, right. was weirdly just two teleprompters. <laughs> right, right. It was two teleprompters. But he coined, that was coined from him? It, he or? coined it, yeah. the Interatron. Okay. And it had it did have a million lipstick cameras attached to it. Wild. But ultimately, just how you and I are across from each other right now, if you were in that room over there and I yeah. was here— it's just you looking at my face on a teleprompter and me looking at your face on a teleprompter. And his philosophy and yeah, truth was it broke down our walls. Right. Because the fact that I'm not sitting in front of you, I'm going to start to get a little more comfortable. And when I'm looking at you on the TV screen, I'm going to start to relax a little more. Yeah. And I'm going to start to talk more. I feel like it would be the opposite for me personally. Because I feel like talking to a screen would be weirder. Here's Maybe what that's happens: my you start to you stop to you start forgetting that it's a real person. That it's a real person. Right. <laughs> so you're like I could say anything. I could say anything. Yeah. And that's how he got these interviews that Amazing. were just magical. Yeah. And so our first film with him um, was a film called Mr. Death: uh, The Rise and Fall of Fred A. Lutcher Jr. Oh. And Mr. Death was about Holocaust denial. Ooh. And I spent, uh, with Michael and I and Dot, we spent three months in Auschwitz. We were the first production company ever to be allowed to shoot inside Auschwitz over Spielberg. Spielberg had to shoot from the outside in. Really? We were allowed actually in. Was um, it after Schindler's List? Uh, after Schindler's yeah. List. Oh, and my we, God. Uh, it's an amazing movie. If you haven't seen it, is it? A, can I? Still oh, of course you can. Netflix? Mr. Death on Netflix. Uh, Must been hard. It, that like emotionally mm, hard. Crazy. Still to this day, probably those those memories that pop in your head. But it was it, it was beyond powerful, beyond powerful. And uh, can imagine the movie's quite interesting because it's it's while it's about Holocaust denial, it's really about this as Errol does so beautifully. This one very lost man. Right. Who, and he's dead, I'm sure, now. I don't know, actually, oh, if he really? is or not. Yeah, no. He was a uh, an electrician from Malden, Massachusetts, who became, uh, by accident, uh, the premier uh, repairer of execution equipment. The uh, lethal injection oh. machines of the, throughout the United States, the electric chairs. He became known as the guy who can fix any lethal uh, machine. Oh my God! And that that's crazy. led him to the uh, the neo Nazi uh, Holocaust deniers, who he ended up really doing a horrible thing. He he went into Auschwitz and chiseled away in the crematoriums uh, some of the concrete, and and supposedly had it tested, and it said there was no way that there could be uh, that oh much cyanide. It's all watch the movie. I want to see an amazing, it. Amazing, and it'll make me mental. Amazing yeah. doc, and that made the shortlist for the Oscars. Uh, and we were we were so proud of that movie, and then we went right from that into the fog of war. But this is where TV starts. Um, he, at the same time, he had had a uh, the, we used to call it the collection of of, of crazies, and Errol had these amazing <laughs> little like conversations and interviews yeah. with some of the most interesting people you can imagine. Right. 
Not famous, just fascinating just people. Fascinating yeah. people. Um, uh, Temple Grandin, yeah. the premier designer of humane slaughterhouses. Right, right. What, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what became our very first TV series with IFC. Uh, and uh, it was called First Person. Yeah. And they were first person interviews, half hours, that really uh, were shot with the Interatron. Yeah. And then we would go and shoot the most beautiful and um detailed and kind of twisted uh, B-roll yeah. that helped tell the story. Like of the, atmospheric. Of the atmospheric kind of, stuff. Yeah. And, you know, the uh, Temple Grandin example, uh, the, the episode was called Stairway to Heaven. And she designed uh, the premier humane slaughterhouse wow. where you would follow these cattle up into the way that they were killed and 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 anyways, the the footage that we shot for that, if you watch an episode of First Person, is just stunning. His his visuals were always <laughs> unbelievable. And that came out of his head. Like, was he actually? Yeah. The, he didn't shoot though. He had a DP, but he sort yeah, of translated. But we directed his it all. Yeah. And um, well, Karen Schmier was a, an amazing editor who actually passed away. And uh, there's a great rem- memorial to her. But we. Um, through that show, what I did, again, kind of that learning in the run, yeah. right, is that we needed more money. Right. Um, and so we ended up going, I went to Channel 4, okay. and we did a co-pro. Oh, interesting. And Channel 4 gave us basically the same amount of money that IFC did. Wow. So we doubled up, nice. doubled down, and made, I think we probably made 20-plus episodes of that. And the cool part of that, and, and this is a great segue back into into the Queer Eye world, yeah. I sold that, we sold that show to Francis Barrick. At IFC. It was Rainbow Media back then. wow. I didn't realize she was there before Bravo. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rainbow Media was a non-anything, right? It was this teeny little uh, uh, New York world. Yeah, 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 of course. uh, She beautifully said, yeah, let's figure this out. Let's do this. Wow. And we made first person for IFC. And so that kind of was moving forward. And were you in the, working in New York at that point? Yeah, we, we, we had offices in New York and, and Boston. And then did you have a place in New York? And when I say an office in New York, it was a little apartment. <laughs> right, okay, got it. <laughs> we, so you were bi-coastal yeah, we were, on the same coast. Exactly. Yeah. And it was great. We would take the train right. between Boston yeah. and, and New York yeah, and, nice. and had a great relationship there. And But Boston kind of really started growing for us. We were mm-hmm. we became the you know the big fish in a little pond. Uh, yeah, um, I, I totally get and it. And we were—, we were the uh, experienced as well. Michael and right. Don and I had spent many years doing these big studio features. Right. And what was really cool, we created a relationship with L.A. where anything that was coming into Boston, they came to us wow. and would say, hey, can you, you know, yeah. I, for example, I'm, I am a DGA UPM because of Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I saw and, that on your bio. Yeah, I was like, dumb and dumb. And again, one of those fake it till you make it moments. Yeah. They called. They're I like, I, I answered it. the phone like, hey, listen, yeah, I know you guys do scouting, but we need a UPM. I, I, actually, I need a budget. I need a, a I budget do done. And I was like, oh, yeah, we got it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm on it. And uh, one of those funny, crazy stories of production life. Um, Dot and I went and bought Movie Magic. Do you remember the yeah. days of Movie Magic? Uh-huh. All I remember is not sleeping for like four days because we had to to teach ourselves movie magic and how to budget this thing. But that's a great lesson. Like I always, you know, kind of cheesily stop for those teaching moments on the podcast because because they're really say yes and figure it out. Like, you know, feel like the old feminist, feel the fear and do it anyway. Hands down. You have to sometimes do that. And like, if you're good, you will figure it out. And then you've done it. Now you've done it. And that's exactly what happened. And I, you know, we still laugh about it. I'm like, I said, yeah, all I remember is like crying on a yeah, Sunday night. They need night. this tomorrow morning. Amazing. And we didn't know. I remember uh, didn't knowing about you had to tax everything and you had to, you know, put put all of the, the, the FICAs and the MICAs and the DICAs in there to make sure all the numbers <laughs> right. And we, were, and we found that out, I remember, like at one in the morning oh, or something no. on Sunday night. Right. So we had to go back in and redo all of the globals and oh, change God. it all I around. I don't even know. You're basically talking Chinese right Anyways, now. Anyways, it was, it was crazy. <laughs> but that— um, so then Queer Eye. So Queer Eye came. Now give us a year. We're like around 2002, 2001. Yeah, so no, 2001. Okay. And uh, 2001. And what what really is a one of those stories that you're like, okay, really? Um, yeah. So things were tough. We had started, you know, we were trying to get another movie yeah. going. And, and this kind of reality world was yeah. starting yeah. a little bit. Oh, you, yeah. You know, Survivor was already happening. On and, yeah. And, 
And we're like, huh, I don't know. Let's think about it. But yeah. Michael and I at the time, Michael Williams uh, was my my husband, my partner, and my business partner. And he and I, on a Saturday afternoon, went with our best friends down to the south end of Boston yeah. for Open Art Studios. You know, one of those things they have now in all the cities yeah. around here. And it was a Saturday afternoon. And uh we were having fun drinking wine and eating cheese uh, and looking at art, hanging out, right? And we were heading into one of the last and kind of the largest uh, uh, galleries yeah. uh, slash lofts. Right. And as we were kind of coming up the stairs and in, there was kind of a ruckus happening. <laughs> ruckus. And we were like, what? What's, What's kind all of the ruckus? What's all this ruckus going on? And as we stepped up into the room— uh, the room kind of weirdly went quiet. And at first we thought it was us. <laughs> and we were like, oh, wait a second, what happened? But what we quickly realized is that there was a woman standing in, like, in the middle of the room berating her husband. Not kind of berating, but like, oh look goodness. at you. Why can't you look like them? Look at these guys. Look at them. Look how great they're dressed. Look at this hair. And just like tearing her husband apart. Look at you. You look crap. You look like a beat up. And... As this happens, the, the room gets quieter and quieter, and everyone at this point has stopped. Like, everyone has stopped talking, God. and everyone's eyes are on them. And this is this moment that, that truly—I uh, I still to this day think, wow, ha- had I not seen this, you right. know. I turned, <laughs> and from the corner of the room— it wasn't five, but it was three amazingly well-dressed men with glasses of wine in their hand came strolling across the room in slow-mo. And this, like, a movie starts happening. You see these three really cool guys surround the husband yeah. and push the wife aside and turn to her and said, hey, hey, hey. That's not how we do this. This is your husband. Look at him. He's a good guy. And they literally surrounded him and, like, fixed his hair and tucked his shirt in and fixed his jacket and were giving him love. They were saying, buddy, no, no, no. Good-looking guy. You just need to do a little bit of this and a little zhuzh here, a little zhuzh there. (laughs) And I physically watched this moment happen, and I turned to Michael. And my two best friends were standing there, and I look at him and I said, did you see that? That was like the queer eye for the straight guy. You literally just said the title. The words came right out of my mouth. And as they came out of my mouth, Michael turns at me and looks at me. (laughs) And then he turned and he looked at them, my buddies, and he said, I promise you, I guarantee you, one year from now, that's going to be something. And when he said that, wow. it clicked. Yeah. And I went home that night with Michael. I had I, I have to give credit to Esquire magazine. I was obsessed with Esquire yeah. magazine at the time. It was yeah. very hot magazine. Right. And I looked at Esquire and all of a sudden the the kind of five categories, fashion, grooming, interior right. design, culture, food and wine, hit me. Yeah. And that was where the format was born. Wow, what a great story. So I think I told you this when we met. I was at VH1 in I think it was 2002. Mm-hmm. And I saw the treatment. The pitch book. The pitch book. And I wasn't in development. I was a producer there in-house. Somehow it landed on my desk. I think it had been just circulating around. And I remember reading it and going, this is fucking awesome. But I felt like at the time someone had told me, like, yeah, they didn't want to buy it here or something. like. So it wasn't an easy sell? Or, like, what was the story around it? It it actually, it was an easy sell because it it ties back back to my my moment with Fran. So we had never done TV. Right. So other than my little relationship with Francis, (laughs) by the way, was kind of a weird fluke because Errol had known (laughs) IFC through something. So it wasn't our relationship. Got it. He connected that. Um, But— I had met Fran, and Fran was the only person that I ever knew in TV. So I was like, hey, listen, I I put together this this idea— um, can was I, she already Bravo at that point, um, or was she still point, true? She had gone to Bravo. Okay, and they were nothing, to they be were clear. Nothing, but Bravo was a rainbow media company. Right. Right? So there was Bravo, uh, IFC. Okay. Forgot that. Yeah, these yeah. little rainbow media companies, pre-NBC buying right. them. And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so uh, I went to New York. Yeah. And I met with Fran and Ed. Um, uh, he was the head of Rainbow Media at the time, okay. uh, which I'll find. Ed Connolly, I think his last name okay. is. And 
I said, yeah, so I got this show. It's called Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Yeah. And we had a giggle, and then I remember him looking at me like I had five heads. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, so here's the deal. It's really easy. Yeah. Five gay guys, one straight guy. <laughs> yeah. and, hey, uh, it actually is and, a really and, clean and, format. In a really simple uh, world, fashion, grooming, interior design, culture, food, and wine, we're going to redo this guy's world, and boom. Half hour later. Half hour later, you know. Um, and he looked at me, and he looked at Fran, and he's like, I, I mean, I guess we would be stupid not <laughs> yeah, to try right. this, right? right. And, and you so, didn't have casting at that point. Oh, my you gosh, have, nothing, right, nothing not at all. And, and the book that you saw, yeah. the little thing, we used all of the straight guys I, uh, I, who are our who are our development team. We shot hysterical. them all. And Michael was one of the guys, oh, too, it. in the middle. I so we did it. a little photo shoot. Yeah. Conceptually, so because I had seen what I would saw yeah. in that art gallery, I knew— what the show looked like. Did you talk about that story in the room? Oh, that's I did. A, yeah, because to told me that, that sells it right there. And I told, like, you watched the show. I watched the show happen in front of me. And that, <laughs> so cool. that the beauty of that still to this day Amazing. is that when we, when we went to go cast and make the show, I feel like I always knew what was going to, to make it work. Yeah. Um, but you have a great vision. I mean, I've seen some of your pitches and stuff. Like, you have a real director, visual brain. You know, not all show creators sort yeah. of have that language. And, you know, the ability to see a format. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very particular skill. It is. I, I will say, though, I, I, I wish I could take full credit. I've always had a <laughs> oh, great team yeah. who saw, your vision. saw the vision and we yeah. worked great together. Um, Dave Metzler was my yeah. my straight guy. To, I was his gay guy. And, and he was the original showrunner. He was. He yeah. and I, uh, you know, really beat the format out together. So and, cool. so and cool. you know, his genius, uh, and he's off making, you know, he's Catfish. Oh, okay. He's, he's off oh, yeah, making. Yeah. Amazing shows, and he's a, an amazing director. Uh, his truly, his vision and mine together is why it worked. You know, we had the straight guy sensibility yeah. and the gay guy it, sensibility, right. and we used to call each other our, our non-sexual lovers. He was my husband. <laughs> he was my, you know, my non-sexual husband. I love and, it. Um, do you? Um, did you do a pilot? We did. So that's a, a great part of the story because it, it has then to do with nine eleven happened. Oh God! So we shot the pilot in Boston. Uh, for uh, Bravo while they were Rainbow Media. Okay. And then a horrible thing happened, uh, 9-11. And when 9-11 happened, uh, I don't know how many people know this or not, but Boston in particular um, really, really, really got hit hard in the entertainment world. So movies stopped coming to Boston. Uh, production just stopped because the hijackers were coming out hijackers, of the airport. We had yeah. we had the Boston connection, right, right. and and for some reason it, it just dried up. Yeah, it, it got really really uh, scary there. So nothing was happening. We had shot the pilot, and when the pilot, uh, everyone loved the pilot. Yeah, but everything kind of went right. on hold. It was a very after weird time. Nine eleven, right? So it sat there. Right after that, so then at the end of um, 2002, yeah, uh, they uh, the the NBC Universal buy started oh, to happen. Okay, and as the buy happened, uh, Jeff Gaspin mm-hmm. was coming in, and mm-hmm. the, they were bringing in new heads. Yeah, and it was happening. Fran and Bravo got uh, you know sucked up into the NBC Universal world. And they're like, what do you got? Do you got any, what's going on? Other than inside the actor's studio, right, what do you had. do? What is this? What is Bravo? And she's like, well, we shot this pilot. I love it. And she pulled the pilot out. Now, by the way, you know, this is actually, I don't think I've ever really talked about this. There was a good six to eight month period. The show is dead. And but after you shot the pilot, after we before shot the pilot, Bravo actually Bravo, picked it up. Yeah. It, where they so were like, you Sorry. figured it just wasn't going. They're like, eh. Yeah, All right, we tried. And we tried. It didn't happen. Wow. Yeah, and it died. And it, and it was. It, I remember we we were really in a in a bad place. Yeah. Because never fun. No. Yeah. Never fun. No money. No movies. No right. work like, happening. Work? It wasn't there. And the three of us at that point as partners had been. We had been taking movies and stuff to help support each other and write bills and wow. cover paychecks and yeah. and not even paychecks. We weren't being paid. Yeah, Trust me, yeah, we yeah. weren't being paid. Sorry, we from I mean, Peter to Hi, PayPal. can you pay my light bill wow. so that I don't get my? You know, it was that bad. Right. I feel like it's, those are the success stories always happen with they the failure. Do, you they know, do. like you, they do. That, well, that that queer eye book, the the book that yeah. came out. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know, I was the American Express 
American Express spokesperson. No. I was the do you know me guy. Oh, my God. For Amex. That's Uh, so cool. uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Ellen, and myself. Oh, my God. Uh, We're all at the same time. And I became the do you know me guy. You were famous. I had my 15 minutes of fame. Indeed, indeed, I did. Um, But that 15 minutes came because I told a true story in a meeting with Amex, which was I had gotten one of those horrible things that Amex sends you, which is like a blank check that says, hey, yeah, you, think that, you yeah. can write this check and, <laughs> and, and go for it. It doesn't yeah. let you know that there's a 50% interest <laughs> on it and that it's due in three months. And yeah. if you don't pay the whole thing, right. they're going to take your children and your home and everything else. <laughs> and, uh, and so I pulled out, unbeknownst to my partners, I pulled the check out. And I wrote it for $5,000. And I gave it to this kid that worked for us that was day trading. And I said, I don't know what you're going to do, but turn this $5,000 into $10,000 so I can pay back the Amex and use the $5,000. And in about a week, he somehow or another had taken my $5,000, day traded it enough. I paid the Amex thing back and took the $5,000 and produced the Queer Eye sales tools. Wow, True that's story. a good story. Yeah, that's is. a great story. And I told that to Amex, and Amex is like, "This isn't you're right." In. Yes, you're the dude. No, you're guy. a poster child. You're a poster child. So, oh my god. Okay, so then, you, the, so Gaspin calls or Fran calls. So Fran says, calls says, hey, goodness, hey, remember that pilot? Yeah, remember that pilot? Um, we're gonna order twelve. Oh my god, were you just ecstatic? We were. We were just like, ah, that. And I were the know. Fab Five that ended up being the Fab Five in the pilot, or um, did you end up good, replacing anyone? Good question. Um, we uh, two. Of the Carson, Carson was in the original. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the food um, guy. And uh, Ted. Ted, I guessed and him. And Ted, yeah. Yeah. Um, we went back then. We did a lot of uh, bigger casting with Bravo. Yeah. And did, it, it was all about chemistry, yeah, right? Totally. All about chemistry. Totally. Which is exactly what the, 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 new, the cast. new end cast is like as well. But what ended up happening, we made 12. And then <laughs> when we started to deliver those, the 12 jumped to 16. And then the show aired. Uh, July 15th, 2003. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, again, a moment. I, I really, I'm sitting here talking to you right now and realizing how blessed my life has Aww. been. Truly how blessed. Um, I'm going to cry. We, we broke records beyond records beyond records. Out of the gate. Out of the gate. Day one. Um, Tuesday night, uh, 10 o'clock. <laughs> And we were getting, by the way, getting numbers now that anyway, networks would, would pay for. for. I know. Like, it's just it's like, such oh a different God. world. It's right. a whole different time, right? So it was a hit and, out of the gate. Massive hit out of the gate. Wow. And, and here's the punchline to the story. Yeah. So listen, we oh, want to no. pick it up. And um, yeah, I think I think uh, 30. Right. Yeah, 30. Can by you next do, week. Can you do 30? <laughs> and we were like, 30? What? And that Amazing. 30 turned to 40. Oh, my God. And our first order was 40. Was it really? Did they give you enough time? We did. We started a, it, we basically. You had we to create a machine. A Queer Eye machine. Yeah. And, and that machine uh, run by a very well-known, Linda Lee, who, okay. who went on to create Chopped with Ted. Oh, right. Um, was that all in New York? All New York. Yeah, that's what I thought. All New York okay. City. Uh, uh, but. Lindley and Lynn Sadovsky. Yeah, oh, Lynn, wow, I know Lynn. Yeah, yeah Lynn, Lynn was the very first person to walk into my office. like, I have no idea what the hell you're making <laughs> what here. What is but this show? I'm in. Wow. And Lynn, Lynn beautifully uh, uh, stepped up to the plate. And she probably, out of anyone, was our, was our, our, our rock. She's that un, you know, solid woman who yeah. would say, Okay, look. Yeah. We're going right. to you have this, this is, as an option. Yeah. What well, what I think the most amazing thing cuz I remember I don't remember if I saw it the first night but I remember my husband and I watched it together and which already to me proves that you kind of revolutionized a genre, right? Because it was a queer show, it was a straight show yeah. and a straight couple was watching it together mm. and so you weren't leaving anyone out. You know, that was was so cool about it, right? Yeah, so yeah. it was like we would, you know, in the straight guy, my husband or whoever, is like, you know, he's with the gay guys, right? Yeah. He's like, this schlub needs help. So yeah. it, was, it was really twisted everything on its head. I mean, I'm stating the obvious, obviously, but it was mm. really so great. And how many seasons did the first run go? Well, we 100 episodes. Okay. Uh, over, over four and a half, almost five years. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. 
and and it, and it probably would have continued on, but it, yeah. it, it and it's funny because we we were just talking about this yesterday. It definitely uh, we saw Fran. I had drinks with Fran nice. on Tuesday night at the at the Four Seasons, and you know it would have gone on, but what yeah. had happened at that point. We had kind of started to become the network. Yeah. It was just the Queer Eye right. Network. <laughs> right. And and I think, and, and, and beautifully, they realized they were going to have to branch out. Branch out. And yeah. at that point, the talent had, you know, become right. the right. talent. <laughs> and, uh, it always happens. It always happens. Yeah. Um, but our 100 episodes, I think we, we couldn't be prouder of, of yeah. the relationship and the way that it worked with yeah. Bravo and NBC Universal. And because of the success early on, yeah. the show then would start to repeat on NBC. Amazing. And so we did this right. kind of interesting thing. It would air first on Bravo and then repeat on NBC on Friday nights. I mean, that's huge. And they were still getting amazing numbers wow. on, on, broadcast. On, on broadcast. And so <clears throat> uh, just to be super blunt, I mean, you that made you a lot of money. <laughs> well, because you were smart about it. Yeah, business it was wise. global. Yeah, right. and, and well, we also had an opportunity. We were at the in the wild, wild west of product placement and, and integration. Right, right, right. And this was a show based on basically all, in, yeah. all integration. You know, yeah. five different categories with everything under the sun. That's why I was shocked. Just flash forwarding for a minute when the reboot, when you guys were in talks, that Amazon didn't pick it up. Just because it would have been such a natural thing. We for, thought so too. You actually. know that that synergy of like here, shop here, shop there, shop. We there. thought so too, and I and I will tell you probably. Had it been one year later, it would have. We would have probably ended up there in some way because they, uh, those two worlds are now at Amazon coming together. Right. Heather, who took over there, is amazing. By yeah, the way, yeah, amazing. I've heard great things. I haven't so met her amazing, yet. so yeah. amazing. So I'm excited about that as well. But we, um, you know, the Netflix pitch uh, to get to that. <laughs> yeah, it, here's something that happened. You're right. We were blessed. It, it was in 180 countries globally, oh, uh, 24 different formats around the wow. world. So there are Fab Fives all around yeah, the world. That's crazy. And I, from you your know, little head to my around little the world. Head. And, like, and talk about amazing. learning again, like the evolution of learning in television. Um, I, I, what do you mean we're doing a format where? Right. I'm going, Slovakia, what? Right. And, and, and so we would go and I would meet the production company that had the format <laughs> yeah. and I would sit down with them and the I'd translator. say, here's what you need to do. And uh, they would be like, oh, but we need this to be here for this country. I'd be like, yeah, you right. can do, I don't care. That's do that. interesting though to learn like the cultural norms the and cultural stuff. norms. Yeah. And all I always used to say to them was, uh, is a really basic line that that I will probably hit you with five more times before we end this talk, uh, which is the show was very clearly, uh, very simply, a format based on transformation through information told with comedy that has heart, and that's that's it. It's a transformation through information with comedy and heart, and that was what I always told all the other that's producers. Like, know. guys, as long as it's funny and it's got a big yeah, heart to it, and, and you're helping someone, yeah. genuinely helping them yeah. have a make better, which was our, our, yeah. our little hook there. We yes. weren't making a make over. It was a make better. Uh, and, and, we, and we still actually, to this day, Scout's reality uh, lifestyle programming is based on make betters, mm. not on makeovers. I love and that. We don't, we're, we're not really into the kind of ugly, hard stuff, you know? I love uh, that. that this, yeah, um, I know. Feel good. It's feel good. And and so we, 190 countries, that all grew. The product placement went yeah, crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, GMC was our car of the day. We were driving the big Escalades there. And they also now are, doing, are the doing the Netflix version, which is amazing. Okay, so we're, we're now starting to run out of time. So I want to make sure we get to. So then uh, there was Netflix. a long break. And then all of a sudden, yeah. you, was it your idea to reboot? Or did someone well, come to um, you? So here's a great thing. Agents, you got to love them. Well, WME, when they deliver. When they deliver. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sean Perry and yeah. the team over at WME that, hey, uh, you know, I think reboots are I hot. think his <laughs> reboots are hot. We should go out. And, you know, a great little insight moment here is that in between there, every time I walked into a pitch, would, oh, hey, you got Queer Eye for us? You got Queer Eye? Where's your Queer Eye? Right. Do you, can you make Queer Eye for us? Yeah, and then yeah, we, we will. And, and, and then when we did have it and the rights had reverted back to us. So you had um, to wait. Okay. Yeah, but not long. Okay. The rights came back pretty quickly. But what happened, interestingly enough, we went out to the buyers, yeah. and they were like, mm, yeah. it's too associated with Bravo. Right. Interesting. And everyone was like, oh, we want it, but it's ooh, Bravo. so Bravo. Yeah. And, uh, and finally, uh, WME was like, yeah, but Netflix doesn't give a crap about Bravo. Right. And, uh, and But you twisted the format a little, so just talk about the sort of updated, like going to the South. Yeah, we, we left, we left New York. Spin. A little bit yeah. of spin. Yeah, we got five new guys, amazing, yeah. uh, you know, very diverse uh, experts in their field again, yeah. funny as heck. 
Uh, but we got out of New York yeah. and we headed to the South, yeah. uh, you know, uh, the red states. Yeah. And, and, and knew, knowing, obviously, what was kind of happening in America at the time, right. it was time to uh, start these conversations again. And we figured getting out of New York, anyone can go to Tom Ford, right? Totally. You, can, you can dress anybody up in yeah. Gucci and Tom Ford. Right. But when you're left with— But when you're down South, we wanted to be able to show that the format works anywhere. That's and that, cool. you know what, mom-pop shops— that's America, right? Yeah. That's where we shop. Yeah. Uh, the 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 chains, the affordable chains. How do we shop there? How do you keep style, taste, and class, and bring that all in? And cool, we we based in Atlanta, and then we went into individual little towns. Yeah, Dallas, Georgia. Every episode is in a different small town. Very cool. So you you have a much more docu feel. Totally. To the show. Um, and, yeah. Even just the look, just the the little thing that you showed me just now. It's so premium, so Netflix. It just already feels. I mean, look. Queer Eye is dated in the sense of, Hands you down. know, just shooting was going to look different. <laughs> yeah. right. Right. So that would what? change anyway. No, but it does yeah. feel docu. I mean, everything about it is so beautiful. Oh, I'm so you. excited. It, it, it is beautiful. And, and what we got to do this time, you know, Netflix doesn't have commercials. There's no breaks. We're not recapping. Hey, coming up right. every two seconds. Let's repeat the bite that we just, we just saw. <laughs> None of that exists. Wow. So you get to make we, a show. It's all about storytelling. Right. And really amazing storytelling. Yeah. And what's really cool and probably the proudest thing of the, of the change is that we get to know our, our Fab Five this time. Each of our yeah, guys. Yeah, which you didn't really. You're no. right. Not really. You know, America was not ready to hear no. someone talk about their husband. <laughs> to hear a gay say, my husband or my boyfriend, That's a good right? Point, yeah. And now America is is in a different place. What I what I like to say is they're willing to to listen and have a, a conversation and and learn more. And in our first episode, Tom Jackson, uh, I, I know you saw the the uh, the trailer for the show at the end. There, you know, he's like. Bobby, our, our uh, design, design guy, yeah. says, "Yo, I've been married for five years," and he's like, "Oh, who's really? The lucky gal? Well, who's no?" He said, "Who? Well, who's the husband and who's the wife?" Oh, that's and funny. And Jonathan in the back's like, "Whoa, <laughs> let's unpack that. Yeah, Let me help you out with that." But it's those kind of conversations that happen now throughout this series. Which that is cool. Is so You're cool. having a larger conversation, bigger, bigger, more right. intense conversation, but, but not in a super like earnest, annoying no, way. No, no, no. In a it's fun, still fun. Exactly. It's, it's you still, can't lose the comedy just, in the heart. It's still five gay guys having some fun, hanging it. out. And how so. many episodes is it? Uh, we did uh, a season of eight, uh, okay. and fingers crossed we'll do some more. So. I have a good feeling about that. Yeah, I hope so. So, so Scout, I'm, I'm trying to get a lot of information here. here we now. go. So Scott, cool. Scout has been bought or partnered with ITV. ITV, uh, David Eilenberg and Adam Cher are amazing partners over there. Yeah. And so Eilenberg created I know. We, I brilliant. think we've met. He's just and also the nicest guy. Like, how Amazing. often do you get a combo of those two things? You don't. Amazing you don't. man. You don't. Amazing man. So is Scout going to, you know, what's, how would you define the brand? What other things do you guys want to be doing? Give sure. us the 411 on Scout. Sure. Well, we're, you know, uh, coming off the <laughs> the past year of doing nothing but producing right, Queer Eye. Right. What the relationship with ITV is about is is being able to create bandwidth for us right. to create and sell shows. Right. And so we have an amazing slate coming together right now that Phenomenal. is very, very, you know, obviously people still in the business want to kind of put you into a box right. and say, hey, you're the lifestyle format guys. Right. But right now, to be lifestyle format guys is a good place because yeah. people are looking Hell for yeah. standalone uh, quality, repeatable formats. Yeah. And and that's kind of our specialty. On it. That's what we do. Yeah. And we've been, we've been uh, beating out a lot of those with some really uh, some fun talent. Uh, it's nice to kind of be back up there again where the agents are bringing you real talent yeah. and, and yeah. real ideas are coming together and, and you're you able to get it. out there. Well, you're thank a good you. person and you, <laughs> no, but I mean, you know, it, it's, it's, there's ebbs and flows in this business, of right? And so yeah. when you're, when you're hot, like you said, you know, they're bringing you everything. You're the mm. king of the prom. And then when you're low, it's like the so phones go silent and you're like, shit, that, you know, what's going on? And that's just like, it's hard to stay at that level, right? It is. And, and, you know, we've been lucky. We, we've had a, a show for going on its eighth season, uh, Homemade Simple yeah, on the own, own network. Right? Yeah, and that's been that great bread and butter, right. keep the doors open show. You have show to listen. You've got to have, have those. Knock on wood. Yeah, exactly. You have to have those. And, and that relationship's been, quite frankly, amazing as well. That's so great. But and the also, Netflix, amazing. Uh, yeah. I, I do want to say our, our— Who's your executive? You're dealing with Brandon? Jen Levy and oh. Brandon. Yeah. Oh, Jen Levy from Bravo? From Bravo. I didn't know she was in Netflix. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Jen, she has had a baby, so she's Wonderful. off uh, being, uh, being a new mama. But nice. Brandon and team, and, uh, you know, uh, no pressure uh, moment happened when they said, hey, by the way, 
Queer Eye is going to launch all of Unscripted for wow. Netflix. So don't you mind that? Yeah, no pressure no on you. Deal. No big well, deal. Well, that's a no-brainer. That's so and, great. And so we're we're really lucky that on uh, uh, February seventh. Okay, fantastic. Uh, we are this'll launching. Be, yeah, this will drop. Say. I'm going to drop it the day before. So, um, so in terms of, uh, I have to ask because you're, you're, uh, you and Michael, your your original partner and business yeah. partner, yeah. you've been divorced for a while. Yeah, you have two beautiful twin girls we together, do. and you work together day in and day out. How Best the friends and co-parents. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Right? Again, very rare. It is rare. We are the modern of modern families. Yeah. Um, and have a. A really beautiful relationship. Uh, we yeah. know that, you know, <laughs> you got to pay for private school somehow. Yeah, right. So we work hard together and and are good uh, good partners in co-parenting. You know, I always say it'd be sad if after all our years we were together, we didn't like each other. Yeah. We actually really love each other always. Well, we vacation together, holiday together. We're, we're one big, crazy modern family. I love so. that. So I don't have time to get to all my sort of stock questions, but I do want to ask, and I'm just— Curious, based on everything you just told me, what would you call your proudest professional accomplishment of your whole career? I know it's probably hard to narrow it down. Other than Queer Eye? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, my kids. Yeah, that's not professional, but okay. uh, That's what I say. Let me see, professional. Well, you know. When we when we won the Emmy, yeah, um, that was that was a moment because I felt like there was this this. Uh, kind of validation yeah. for for a moment where there was some real change that happened from the show. Yeah. We used to get emails wow. and stuff of that still to this day well me up Aww. when you realize that there was an opportunity to have a conversation. Queer I gave a comfortable environment for kids to talk to their parents and parents to talk to their kids. And like you said, husbands and wives yeah. to, to have a conversation. But that's huge. I mean, when you can do a show, like that doesn't happen very often, let's no, be honest. It doesn't. And when you can make entertaining television that also has a purpose and a message, that's yeah. the home run, right? It is, it is. And we're proud of that. We are. And 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 still proud that, you know. After all these years, uh, we still like doing what we do. Yeah, you're very passionate. I yeah. mean, that comes through. Like, I, you you seem like you love what you do, yeah. which is like not to be jaded after you know doing this a while. That's a that's amazing. It is. It is. I, I I'm I'm blessed on that level. Well, you're a wonderful person. I know everyone's gonna fall in love with you as much as I did from hearing <laughs> this because you're just a good, good guy and Thanks. you deserve all the good things. I'm thrilled for Queer Eye coming back and all yeah. your success. And I'm Thank so you. glad that I know you yeah. and that you're a friend. And I hope we get to work together at some point. Me too. Spread some of your genius on me. Me too. All right, David. Thank, Thank you. you. Love. Mwah. Mwah. <laughs> 